Take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs 27, and when you find your place there, I'd invite you to stand in honor of God's Word. And I'm going to give a more devotional thought tonight. Um, Typically, I would uh, just preach expositionally. I know pastor's been going through the book of Acts and Paul's journeys on Wednesday nights, and I asked him, hey, should I do that, or what should I do? And he, of course, in the only pastor to way, said, do whatever you want. And I'm like, that doesn't help me. Just tell me what you want, you know? Um, so I just felt directed to do this, and this is not the way I was taught to preach. I've always been taught be expositional, so take a text and preach that text. But um, just felt led to do this, and I think it will be a help to you tonight. Uh, Proverbs chapter 27, just a singular verse there, very familiar vor- verse. Let's read it out loud um, together, if you don't mind. Uh, tr- Proverbs 27, verse 1. Ready? Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Again, a very familiar verse. But uh, I hope and pray that the familiarity doesn't rob you of what the Lord may try to do uh, in your heart tonight. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, just for the privilege to be together. Thank you for our church family. Thank you for uh, the time that we've already enjoyed getting to talk and uh, fellowship and connect with one another. And I just am thankful for uh, you being with us tonight. Definitely felt your presence during the music. And I'm just thankful for the songs that we're able to sing and, and how it means something to those of us who are saved. And thank you for the work that you've done in our hearts and in our lives. I want to pray for everything else going on around the campus tonight with Awanas and youth and the Hispanic service and also those up in Colorado at Snow Camp. Lord, just ask your blessing on everything that's going on tonight. And now for a few moments, Lord, we ask that you would bless this time, that we look to your word and look to you for spiritual direction and help that we need in the middle of a a busy work week and no doubt things going on in each individual's life in this room. Lord, I pray that we could hit the pause button, uh, that we could meet with you, that we could be spiritually nourished and strengthened as a result of your word tonight. May you do the work that only you can do. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. So the past several weeks down in the youth ministry, we've been teaching about how to seek after God's will for your life and basically trying to simplify that concept of God's will. I think oftentimes teenagers and even us adults, we we can um, complicate what God's will means and sometimes we can mystify it. We can make it more mysterious than I think um, God maybe intended for it to be. And so we attempted to try to simplify that concept to the teenagers and basically boiled it down to this. Rather than getting confused about your future and whatever God has for you there, focus on making decisions today that would honor him. Uh, Focus on just following his word in your life rather than worrying so much about what God has ahead of you. Look at what God has for you today. And I believe that's very important for us to understand that um, as we become who God wants us to be today, he will lead us to whatever we should do in the future. And, And perhaps one of the most commonly asked questions amongst teenagers and even adults alike, no doubt you've asked yourself this question Or maybe you've asked um, somebody that you look up to in a spiritual way, a mentor of some sort, a pastor, a coach, a teacher. Um, I think we've all asked this question, what does God want me to do with my life, right? Or, Or said another way, what's God's will for my life? And how do I know what his direction is? How do I know where he's leading? What does he want me to do? 
And something that we just said week after week after week to the young people that I want to just help us grab a hold of tonight is this, that the decisions that we make today <clears throat> determine the stories that we'll tell tomorrow. The decisions that we make today will determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm, I'm going through something this week, and so if I have to clear my throat quite a bit, that's, that's what that's about. Um, but in other words, you know, we make our decisions, right? But our decisions make us as well. And the reason that's important to understand as it pertains to understanding what God wants from our lives or God's will, if you want to call it that, is because our decisions will either lead us toward God's will for our life or our decisions will lead us toward our own will and our own ways for our lives. And the decisions we make are incredibly important. And so as we were studying this, with the young people and presenting these biblical ideas, um, I had one more sermon prepared to give them last Wednesday night. And, um, but I went to a funeral last Wednesday morning and I was prepared to continue talking about God's will for them and, and things of that nature. But I went to this funeral and uh, really honored to be able to go to an incredible opportunity where a Tulsa fireman had passed away. His name was Harrison Mosby. He's there on the screen for you. And um, after his funeral, attending it, um, I, I texted my wife, I called her, and I was like, hey, I don't, this is not me, um, but I feel led to teach something entirely different down in the youth group tonight. I know I've had this other lesson prepared for like a week and a half, two weeks, and I'm the kind of guy who I, I manuscript everything so I don't say something I shouldn't say because I have that propensity. Um, I, and I'm like, I feel like I need to do this, but I don't have time, like, um, and she's like, well, just do whatever, you know, you feel you should do. And I'm like, okay. And then I text our youth leaders and I'm like, hey, pray for me about this. This is weird. This is out of the normal for not, this is out of the ordinary for me. And, you know, funerals have always impacted me throughout the years. Um, any funeral I've ever gone to, um, I feel like I've gotten some benefit from that. Just pausing and thinking about uh, the kind of life I really want to live and the legacy I want to leave behind. But this funeral that I went to last Wednesday has to be at the top of my list of most impactful you know, memorial services or funerals that I've ever been to. Most of you probably don't know Harrison. You probably never met him, let alone even heard of him. Um, I didn't know him well either. I just knew his dad, uh, Jim. And that's why I went to the funeral, to, to be a support to his dad. I'd done business with Jim for the last nine years. He's, um, he owns a screen printing company that a lot of our church shirts get produced by him. And so um, I wanted to be there to support him in that way. And I have a relationship with him in that way. And Jim, Harrison's dad, was a fireman. And Jim's dad, so Harrison's grandpa, was a fireman. So Harrison's a third generation fireman. And uh, his funeral last Wednesday, quite honestly, I didn't go into it expecting anything, but it wrecked me, if you know what I mean. Like in all the right ways, his funeral really wrecked me. And I, I told our youth leaders last Wednesday afternoon, I said, I saw God in a fresh way uh, during that funeral and, and after the funeral. And so I want to share just a little bit of Harrison's story. And I hope you know my heart tonight, church family. I'm not trying to glorify a person. I'm not trying to glorify a man. I want the word of God to be the primary uh, thing that we look to tonight, but I'm just using this as an illustration, all right? So um, with Harrison's story, I just want to kind of tell you a little bit about him, and you can find this stuff on the internet because a lot of people started following his story, but you could see there he was born in 1997, so he's only 26 years old when he passed away. 
Um, he's from Owasso and he attended Owasso Public Schools from kindergarten all the way to the 12th grade. I graduated with the class of 2016. Some in our church actually graduated with him. And uh, he went to TCC, got an, uh, an associate's degree from there, met his wife there at TCC. Um, and he had brothers that he was really close to. He joined the Tulsa Fire Department in um, 2000, or yeah, 2019, finished first in his class through the academy, had tons of potential. Um, and while he was there, Harrison was a real light. He made a real difference for the name of, of God, uh, for the kingdom of God. Uh, he didn't just blend in with the rest of the guys. Uh, he rose above that, and that was definitely his testimony uh, at the funeral. And like I said, he got married shortly thereafter, and they had two beautiful daughters still, um, Collins, who's two years old, and Grace Lee, who's eight months old. And um, in October of 2021, he started to have a really sharp pain in his shoulder and shortly got diagnosed with a very rare tissue cancer. And I'm not gonna try to say the name of it because I'll probably butcher it and then a, a doctor or a nurse in the room would you know, correct me afterwards, but it was a rare tissue cancer. And that obviously led to um, all sorts of treatments, having to travel to St. Louis for treatments, having to travel to MD Anderson down in Houston for treatments. I mean, you name it, um, whether it was radiation, chemotherapy, immunotherapy, blood transfusions, eventually led to having his left arm completely amputated um, in order to try to save his life. But throughout his entire cancer journey, this is just a you know, 24, 25, 26-year-old man uh, going through this with a newly married spouse, wife, and two kids, his faith never ceased. And that was definitely the testimony at his funeral. And a verse that Harrison would live by and put all over his social media accounts and you know, would tell people all the time was Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, which says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. Harrison always had hope for healing, whether it would happen in earth or in heaven. And one thing that stood out to me in his eulogy was this statement. They wrote, no matter what obstacle came at Harrison, he desired God's will for his life and trusted God's plan for him. And because he had that attitude and he had that posture of heart, he instilled hope into the hearts of the people closest to him, whether it was family, friends, coworkers, you name it, those following his story. So Harrison's funeral, it impacted me really deeply last Wednesday. You can ask my wife, I was kind of a mess that whole day. Didn't know how the service with the youth would go at all. I thought, man, I might need somebody else to teach tonight. Um, but I've had a really hard time getting my mind off of it since because his legacy and his story really impacted me in a profound way. And with that said, I, I want to ask you tonight, what will your story be someday? When it comes to the end of your life, what will be said about you and the way you lived your life? And I want to give you some biblical principles. Again, this is topical tonight. I want to give you some biblical principles that came to mind as I've been reminiscing about this man's life. And I, I trust it will be a help to you. So if you're taking notes, the first thing I just want to point out is, you know, we need to choose to live for that which truly matters. And that's a choice that each and every one of us have to make. That's a decision that you don't just make one time in your life at, you know, a camp or a revival or some sort of special service. You have to wake up every single day and say, God, I'm deciding today 
to choose for that, uh, to live for that which really matters. I was reminded of Colossians chapter 3, where the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writing to the church at Colossae, but we know that this book is not just written to the churches and to the audiences of that time, it's very much written to us today that follow Christ as well. It's relevant for us as well. And so what Paul said to them is, is very much what God is saying to us. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, he says, if, then, if ye then be risen with Christ, that be any one of us that are saved, here tonight. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And then he puts things in perspective for us when he says this, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And, you know, Harrison was a guy who valued the right things. Everybody, and I know people say just nice things at funerals. I know that. But you could tell the things that people were saying weren't manipulated or schemed. It was very authentic. And person after person after person talked about how he valued the right things in his life and he prioritized his life around that which truly mattered. Can I just ask you tonight, what truly matters to you? What truly matters to you? I told the teenagers last Wednesday night, <clears throat> I think sometimes we get off course when it comes to what truly matters to us. And, you know, for teens, they think, well, my shoes matter. The brand of shoes, the style, you know, and, and hey, let's be real. Adults, sometimes we care too much about the clothes that we wear or the way that we look, the appearance, the appearance that we have. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, you should look good. You should look presentable, I think, you know, that, that says something. But is that what truly matters? Sometimes I think others' perception of us is what truly matters to us. What do they think about me? What do they say about me? That's what really matters. Or we think our acceptance in some group or some, uh, some clique is what matters. Or maybe our financial status is what really matters. Or our stuff is what truly matters. And our accumulation of that stuff or our passions, our desires, that's what really matters. But is that really what truly matters? What truly matters? In a simple phrase, what truly matters is that which matters to God. What matters to God is that which truly matters. So perhaps you and I should stop asking what matters to me and start asking ourselves what truly matters to the Lord. What truly matters to God? Can I show you really briefly what matters to God? Take your Bible and turn to Colossians chapter 3. We just looked at the first two verses there. But in Colossians 3, you know, Paul tells them, hey, Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. And um, it'd be one thing to say it, but Paul goes on to expound and explain what that looks like. And so he talks about how <clears throat> we were dead in our sins. And, and we have this old man that really haunts us every single day. Though we're saved and though uh, we, we have a home in heaven and we have a relationship with Christ, we still have this old man that we have to do business with day after day. And we need to mortify the deeds of the flesh, the deeds of the old man. And, and we need to put off those things. And then he transitions in verse 10 to say, put on the things of the new man. Put on uh, those things that would reflect Christ-likeness and, and, and would put things in perspective to a lost and dying world. And in verse 12, he says this, put on therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. What truly matters? Kindness. What truly matters? Humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Are you, are you catching the drift here? Verse 13, forbearing one another, 
for forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Verse 14, and above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which ye are called in one body, and be, this is important, be thankful. And let the word of Christ, verse 16, dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And then he says, hey, if you're a wife, here's what truly matters. And if you're a father, here's what truly matters. And if you're a child, here's what truly matters. And if you're a servant, here's what truly matters. What really matters to God is what flows from your heart. Amen. Our hearts matter to God. And yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I, I sometimes get it misconstrued and I start to think the externals matter more. But to God, your heart matters. Your character matters. Your relationship with him matters. His purposes for your life is what matters. You know what matters? Is your relationship with your spouse. Your relationship with your spouse matters more than your relationship with your boss. Your relationship to your kids matters more than how you appear in some spiritual manner to other people. Your relationships in those ways matter. Your impact for Christ matters. So how are we doing? Are, are you living for that which truly matters to God? That's what I'm asking you tonight. Are you living for that which truly matters to God? And I think sometimes we think in our mind, yeah, but I, I've got tomorrow, but we just read Boast Not Yourself of Tomorrow. You don't know if you're going to have tomorrow. We think, well, I'll do that later. I'll, this is just a unique season in my life. I've, I'm going through a hardship right now. Uh, once I get over that, then I'll, I'll realign my priorities. Can I just tell you that's a really foolish way to think and to live your life? How can you, I've been there. It doesn't lead to great things. You, you don't know if you have time. You don't know if you'll actually get around to it some other time. You don't even know what tomorrow holds, we read earlier. Harrison was just 26 years old. 26. Not a long life at all by the world's matter and by the world's standards. But I'm just trying to tell you tonight, you and I, we don't know God's timing. Life is short. You don't know how long you have. James chapter 4, verse 14 tells us, Where is you know not what shall be on the morrow? And this is a great question. For what is your life? What is your life? It's even a vapor. It's just a wisp in the air. It just, it's there and then it's gone. I mean, how many of you in this room, you'd say, yeah, it just felt like yesterday I, I, I graduated from high school. Just felt like yesterday I graduated from college. Just felt like yesterday I got married. Just felt like yesterday I had my first child. Just felt like yesterday I, I started that new job. Just felt like yesterday. Where's the time gone? Life is a vapor. It appears for a moment and then it's gone. Look, and I, I understand firsthand that God's ways and God's timing is not always what we want and not always what we think it should be or what we expect it to be. But I know this to be 100% true, 100% certain that his ways and his plans are always perfect. They're perfect. And there's this reality of it too. Sometimes his plans Although they're perfect, they lead us to pain. And they lead us to hardship. 
and they lead us to a refining work that we wouldn't otherwise choose for ourselves. They lead us to some sort of adversity. And I think sometimes we get this misconstrued and we think, well, if I'm living for God, then my life should be free of those kind of things. I mean, we may never say it, but we oftentimes think it or we posture ourselves in that way where we think, man, I'm staying faithful to the Lord. I'm giving to his work. I'm involved. I'm giving him my all. I shouldn't have this hardship. I shouldn't have this adversity. Man, life should be good for me. We say without saying, my life should be easy, right? And that's not what Jesus ever promised. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, take up your cross if you're going to follow me. That was a picture of suffering. Take up your cross and follow me. I think of men and ladies in the word of God who they were led to hardships and sufferings right in the middle of God's will. I think of John the Baptist who was you know, following God's will for his life and he ended up in prison and from the prison then beheaded. I think of, you know, Paul who found himself in prison. He found himself at the whipping post getting beaten. He found himself stoned nearly to death. He found himself shipwrecked multiple times doing the Lord's work. And pastor's been talking about that on Wednesday nights. I think about men like James, the half-brother of Jesus, who wouldn't deny Christ's Messiahship. And they took him up to the top of the temple and they said, deny Christ, deny Christ, or else we're going to throw you off this temple. And he said, I'm not going to deny Christ. They throw James off the temple. They go down to see if James is still alive. They've got clubs in their hands. Deny that Jesus is the Christ. Deny it. I will not. And they beat him to death. Right in the middle of God's will. Harrison found himself with cancer. You know, God's way may not always be the easiest way. May not always be as we expect it to be. But we can know this. We can trust this. His way is the best way. His way is the most fulfilling way. His way is the most satisfying, most incredible way. Do you believe that tonight? The scripture tells us in Psalm 1830, as for God, his way is what? Perfect. Let's say that again. As for God, his way is what? Perfect. Say it to yourself. God's way is perfect. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. I want to ask you this as well. Maybe you find yourself in a position tonight where you haven't been focusing on that which truly matters. And I would just simply ask you, why are you waiting? Why are you waiting to live your life for that which truly matters? Why are you procrastinating about it? I think sometimes we limit ourselves In turn, we limit God and what he's willing to do in our lives because we think, well, I'm too young. Or maybe for tonight's crowd, I'm too old. (laughs) I don't know. Or maybe you say, I'm not as talented as that guy or I'm not as skilled in this way or I have too much baggage or whatever it may be. You fill in the blank. I, I, I don't have what it takes to live a life of significance and impact and leave a legacy, but the truth is, your limitations don't stand in the way of God being able to use you and do something significant through your life. You can do something significant for God now. And when you leave this earth, people can say, wow, look at the life that they lived if you choose today to live for that which truly matters. It's a decision you have to make. Point number two, I don't know who may need to hear this tonight. I really wanted to emphasize this with the teenagers last Wednesday night because I think at their stage of life, they kind of struggle with this idea but perhaps we can certainly struggle with this concept as adults as well. We need to understand that your calling and your career 
are not one and the same. I say that again, because sometimes we don't live with that understanding that your calling and your career are not one and the same. Said another way, who you are supposed to be in Christ, your calling, and what you do in your life, your career, are not always the exact same thing. And I think that'd probably be the case for most of us here tonight. When I was at the funeral last Wednesday, um, <clears throat> Harrison's brother talked about a story when they were really young and they were in, they were in their bedroom and you know, his older brother said, Harrison, what do you want to be when you grow up? And Harrison was in fifth grade at the time, I think. And Harrison said, I want to be a missionary. And um, Harrison's older brother, Hayden, said, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to go to the NFL, and I'm going to make money, and I'm going I'm to have a nice house, and I'll invite you over to my house, you know, and all that. And uh, he's like, why do you want to be a missionary anyway? And Harrison started crying. And then Harrison's like, well, maybe I don't want to be a missionary because all of them die doing that kind of work. Because he had only heard of the stories of like the Alka Indians and Jim Elliott and Nate Saint, those kind of stories where missionaries go to these really remote villages and they get killed for their faith in Christ. And so Harrison's mom hears him crying and she comes down the hall and she said, Hayden, what did you do? You know? And he's like, nothing. We were just talking about what we wanted to do when we grow up. And he's crying because he said he wants to be a missionary, and, but he doesn't want to die, you know, at a young age or whatever. And um, his mom helped comfort him, and she basically just said, hey, Harrison, you need to understand this, bud. You can be a missionary today, right now, at your school, on your wrestling team, on your football team. You don't have to go to another country in a remote village and risk your life. You could be right here telling other people about Jesus. And Harrison heard that as a fifth grade boy, and he ran with it. And at his funeral, they talked about soul after soul after soul that Harrison had reached throughout the course of his life. He went on to help lead many people to the Lord, one being his best friend, Spencer, who passed away in 2015 when he was just 17 years old. And he had led his friend Spencer to the Lord through church camp. And Spencer had gotten saved just the year before Spencer's life was taken. Can I just say, Spencer may not be in heaven today had it not been for the influence of a classmate, of a friend. And I want to emphasize that tonight. You know, what was Harrison to Spencer and to some of other these young men and women that he led to the Lord? Well, he was... He was just around them as a classmate, as a, as a friend, as a, as a teammate. And I think oftentimes we get this confused. We think if God gives us a burden or if God lays something on our heart, we need a position, a rank, a title, a church, uh, a ministry. Am I the only one? I, I think sometimes, okay, maybe I am because everybody just looks at me right now. But sometimes we think, oh, I got it, and especially teenagers, but that's not what that means. I think about people all throughout the scripture who God used, like Philemon, who had the church meet in his house, and, and Lydia, who made a great impact. Others who, who weren't necessarily in ministry. You think about Nehemiah. He was just a cupbearer, and he led God's people to rebuild the walls. Uh, God can use anybody. It doesn't require a rank, a position, a title. And I want you to get this, that Harrison, he was salt, and he was light, and he was a witness, and he was a missionary in his everyday life. And he was who God called him to be as a wrestler, as a student, as a, as a son, as a brother. 
as eventually a husband and a father and a firefighter. He never went on deputation to raise support, although that, that could have been great. Never went to a foreign country to preach the gospel as a full-time missionary. Went, never went to be on staff at a church. But you know what? He gave to the Lord's work generously and consistently. He served in his local church faithfully. He reached people everywhere he went. Um, truth is, we're all in ministry, right? Some of us just get paid to do it. Some of us just get the financial support to be able to dedicate our career to it. But I was telling the young people last Wednesday night, I think about our youth leaders all the time, those other adults down there serving. And these are people who give a lot. I mean, a lot of time, a lot of energy, carrying burdens, a lot of prayers, um, just a lot of ministry. And they're volunteers. They're not getting paid to do this. Their actual job, some of them, is HVAC. Some of them are teachers in schools. Some of them are stay-at-home moms trying to educate their children and raise up their children and keep the house in order from their messy husbands. Right, Katie? And some work elsewhere. And, and, and I told the teens, look, I may be the youth pastor here, which I'm incredibly thankful for. It's a huge honor. But just know this, that those people, these people, are ministering and serving the Lord in a very significant way. And you don't need a rank. You don't need a position. You don't need a title to serve God or to fulfill your calling for the Lord. I told the teens a few weeks back, and hopefully you'll be as gracious to me as they were to me, because I said, guys, I'm going to ask you a question, but I want you to be kind about it, you know, because you could hurt my feelings and make me go home depressed all night or whatever. Um, and I just said, okay, how many of you guys think I'm supposed to be doing what I'm doing? How many of you think, you know, I'm supposed to be in ministry or whatever? And most of their hands went up, I think. Um, there might have been a few, but I didn't take down names or anything like that. I actually, before I was going to ask them that, I had visualized that some of them would cheer, but nobody cheered, you know. So not all dreams come true. Some dreams die. But I essentially asked them, you know, is it God's will that I am in ministry, you know? And I would submit to you what I submitted to them. That's God's secondary will for my life, really. His primary will for my life is that I would be holy as he is holy. My primary will in my life is that I'd love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and that I'd love my neighbor as myself. My primary will that God has placed, his primary will that he's placed on my life is more about who I am than what I do, right? And, and just being one of the many pastors at this church I think is incredible, but it's what I do. It's not who I am. Understand this, right? For example, I could be doing what I'm doing and completely out of God's will for my life if I'm not right with him and my character is weak. I, like I told the teens, I could preach the most helpful message you ever heard, which isn't going to happen, but let's say I did it sometime. And I could preach the most helpful message you ever heard, but if I'm constantly mistreating my wife, I'd argue I'm not in the will of God, right? Or I could have this awesome activity planned, man, we could have this amazing youth rally with thousands of people, and wow, look at that, that's amazing, but if I'm neglecting my kids, and they don't even know who their dad is, and I don't give them the time and attention that they ought to have, am I really in God's will? 
And so we have to get this understood in our minds that to God, who comes before do. And who I am as a person is what's truly important. And I believe that I believe that God would rather me do anything other than ministry if I wasn't living with integrity. He, he would rather me do anything with a pure heart before him than do something that appears spiritual and live with ongoing, unconfessed sin in my life, right? So I think it's important for us to understand this. Harrison understood this. He was a dad. He was a son. He was a brother. He was a fireman, football player, wrestler, all those things. And while he was those things, he was a missionary, and he was a minister, and he was a servant, and he was making a massive difference for God. So we need to choose to live for that which matters most. We need to understand that our calling and our career are not one and the same. And then lastly, I want to leave us with this tonight. We need to make this choice as well, to choose to live with authentic, unwavering faith. Choose to live with authentic, unwavering faith. I love Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, where the Bible says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him without faith. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those or that them that diligently seek him. The overarching, overwhelming takeaway from Harrison's funeral was this. He was real. I mean, when the lights went down, when the curtain went down, he was the same guy at the station that he was at home. He was the same guy at the church and the ministry that he served at as he was elsewhere. He was the real deal. Everywhere he went, people knew this guy is an authentic follower of Jesus. One man at the funeral said this, and it really got me. He said, when I think about Harrison's life, he said, Jesus radiated all over him. And I was just like, like somebody punched me in the face. Jesus radiates all over him? Like, what a testimony. And then I got sucker punched by the Holy Spirit. And he's like, whoa, does Jesus radiate all over you? I wonder what people say about you. Not that it matters entirely, although if you do claim to be a Christian, what others think about you does matter to a degree because how you live your life is a direct reflection of what they will believe and understand about your God and about Christianity as a whole. So I ask you tonight, church family, what does your life say about God? And is your faith real? I mean, are you the same person here as you are at your home? And I understand, you know, when you go home, you can let your hair down and things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your heart condition. Are you the same person? Are you authentic? Are you real? And then I want to ask you this. Is your faith unwavering? Is it unwavering? Harrison fought a really ugly battle of cancer, and you know, he went through all these treatments, eventually had to have his arm amputated. I was, um, I was getting my 21-month-year-old baby girl dressed the other night for bed, and uh, the sleeve on her pajama was getting caught on her arm, you know. And I thought about Harrison, and I thought, Man, if one of my kids had to have their arm amputated, how hard would that be? I'm just looking at my baby girl, and I, I had to thank God my kids have all their appendages, you know? And I think we take things for granted sometimes. 
But Harrison had a really ugly bout with cancer. But you know what I love? That even though the cancer was ugly, Harrison didn't get ugly with it. I think that's remarkable. He stayed on mission. He still loved people. He wasn't so focused on himself and the pain that he was going through that he couldn't be kind. He still faithfully participated in the work of the Lord at his local church. He gave. He lived for what mattered, even when things got really, really, really hard. Harder than maybe some of us have gone through or will go through. And it reminded me that a faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. A faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. And maybe, just maybe, God would allow you and me to do some significant things in our lives and leave a legacy and an impact like Harrison made, but we've got to get some tests passed first. Harrison's wife, her, her strength was just remarkable to me when she stood up and talked to everybody. I thought, man, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a grown man, and that's a grown lady, and she's keeping it together. And if it was me, I'd be a baby, you know? But she, she had God's grace all over her. That's all I can say. She told a story of Harrison shortly after he was diagnosed with his cancer. And she heard him crying in another room and praying really loudly. And as she approached the door to the room, she heard him saying, Lord, break me. Lord, break me. And he kept saying it over and over again. Lord, break me. Break me. She opened the door and she said, Harrison, why are you praying that? And he looked at her with tears in his eyes and he said, why wouldn't I pray that? Why wouldn't I ask God to break me? And on my way home last Wednesday, I was thinking about that. And I was like, when's the last time I've prayed that? Or have I ever prayed that to God? Lord, break me? Do I want to pray that? I mean, I was asking all these questions. Do I really want God to break me? In that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit say, say it. So I said, Lord, break me. Break me. And I was having a moment there with the Lord, crying in my van, trying to get it together before I get home and my kids see me and Lord, break me. But I, I want to ask you, have you ever prayed that before? Have you ever considered it? Lord, break me. See, Harrison understood this verse, Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. He had a heart that understood all I need is God. The Lord is close to those who live with a broken heart before him, a contrite spirit, a repentant, soft spirit before him. Can I ask you, when's the last time you asked God to break your heart? You know, going to funerals and things like that really puts things in perspective sometimes, doesn't it? It put those things in perspective for me. I need to choose today to live for that which truly matters. And I need to understand that my calling and my career are not one and the same, necessarily. And I need to choose every single day to live with authentic, unwavering faith in the Most High God. Last Tuesday night, before his funeral, family and, and friends gathered together and they shared memories about Harrison. Every single story pointed back to the Lord. It was remarkable. Every single story pointed back to his faith and how it didn't waver and it was real. By the end of the night, this is crazy, 
one person accepted Christ as their savior, two people got baptized at a memorial service the night before the funeral. I was like, what a testimony. That's incredible. His funeral impacted me deeply, but the truth is it impacted a host of people. His legacy and his story was impactful in a profound way. And so I ask you tonight, what will your story be? Stephen Covey, in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, had this exercise in the second chapter. And I I want us to participate in this short exercise before we close. He says, in your mind's eye, and I hope that you'll engage here for a moment as I read, in your mind's eye, see yourself going to the funeral of a loved one. You guys picturing it? Picture yourself driving to the funeral parlor or the church or the chapel, parking the car, getting out. And as you walk inside the building, you notice the flowers, the soft organ music. You see the faces of friends and family you pass along the way. You, you feel the shared sorrow of losing, the joy of having known that radiates from the hearts of the people there. As you walk down to the front of the room and look inside the casket, you suddenly come face to face with yourself. This is your funeral three years from today. All these people have come to honor you, to express feelings of love and appreciation for your life. And as you take a seat and wait for the services to begin, you look at the program in your hand. There's four speakers. The first is from your family, immediate and also extended children, brothers, sisters, nephews, nieces, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents who've come from all over the country to attend. The second speaker is one of your friends, someone who can give a sense of who you were as a person. The third speaker is from your work or your profession. And the fourth is from your church or some community organization where you've been involved in service. Now think deeply, and I want to ask you to think deeply for a moment. What would you like each of these speakers to say about you in your life? What kind of husband, wife, father, or mother would you like their words to reflect? What kind of son or daughter or cousin? What kind of friend? What kind of working associate? What character would you like them to have seen in you? What contributions, what achievements would you want them to remember? Look carefully at the people around you. Look at their eyes. What difference would you like to have made in their life? Church, I just want to encourage you tonight with this thought that it's probably time we put things in perspective because we don't know if we have tomorrow. And I ask you, How do you want to be remembered? How will you be remembered? You'll be remembered based off the decisions you make today that lead you to who you will be in the future. Let's pray.